0: Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel, And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 19, Little Monsters.
1: Mary, what happened this week? Val wants to be paid for her assistance in the recovery of Dylan's money, and to be honest, she's not wrong? Dylan writes her a check for $10,000, but that's not enough, so she buys a fancy leather outfit and goes to see Jonesy, where she gets either a briefcase of or a portion of a briefcase full of cash and buys a car.
2: (laughs) So when they first walked into Dylan's house, I thought this was them coming back from Mexico.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I I was like, Type, 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 type. Oh, backspace, backspace, backspace. Like, because, yeah, then you learn. No, no. She just picked him up from the airport because apparently they flew separately, which is fine because we learned that Dylan had actually taken Erica to Hawaii to hang out with Iris to basically test
2: Iris. (laughs) I know. He was like, oh, yeah, if she liked her well enough, she could just live with her.
0: Which I guess, like. On the one hand, it's smart because at that point, you're dumping a child onto Iris when she's already an empty nester. And then number two, it's like, would Iris really be better than like a foster care system or something like that? So like I get the logic. It's just a weird thing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I do appreciate that Dylan is like, I'm not parent material because last week we were literally like, no, he's not.
0: Yeah, exactly. We're like, Dylan surely is not about to raise a 12-year-old.
2: So- (laughs) I thought it was hilarious that Val was like, who wouldn't like Iris? And I was like, oh, a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Dylan's ex-girlfriend. Well, Dylan. Yeah. I was going to say, well, and her own son (laughs) most of the time. But it's also another similarity between Val and Brenda that Brenda got along famously with Iris and now Val does. I
2: I swear they had like already started writing storylines for Brenda and then shannon doherty like left the show and they were like well we can just slot another bruna into this role
0: literally that's what happened quite <laughs> it literally to
2: but i do think that uh erica and iris probably will get along famously you mean because of the sea glass actually yes <laughs> but yeah. like erica is like you know low-key traumatized from everything that has happened to her over the last six months and iris believes in like meditation and healing and mind gyms and like auras and what like i just Mm -hmm. feel like that's going to be good for erica she should probably also have like actual therapy sure but like that healing nurturing environment is going to be really good for erica
0: right and it's not based on lies it's not based on you know money you know i mean because even think about it like iris pretty much walked away from money you know so you know, it's even possible that Erica is just going to live more of a, I don't know, pure lifestyle than, especially compared to what she had previously. Yeah. I think it's very
2: interesting that you like rescue her from being like taken to Brazil and then Mexico. And then you're like, now we're going to go to an island in the middle of the ocean and I'm leaving you hereby.
0: Yeah. I guess that's the other thing too, is he didn't ever really say if he was going to visit her, if they set up, time for her to come visit him, you know, all that. So for all all we know, Erica's just gone.
2: Yeah, I mean Erica is just gone. And then I mm-hmm. guess it'll be the same thing where like Jim and Cindy occasionally fly to London to go see Brenda, Dylan right. will occasionally fly to Hawaii to go see Erica and Iris.
0: That would make sense. At least now he's got like two reasons. So. Yeah. But Val
2: picks him up from the airport. Brings him back to his house where she surprises him with chocolate-covered strawberries. And then they start making out on his couch. And then they move to the bedroom. And so, yeah, I guess she and Steve broke up.
0: Or she was just playing him or just didn't outline the terms of their agreement. <laughs> you know, like very much this is a hookup, not a relationship. I Yeah, because... The way she acts is definitely like nope I don't have a boyfriend yeah
2: and I I mean I guess after the fire when she was like oh I'll just lie and say we were having sex so she you wouldn't have been anywhere near the fire and he was like uh that's not right and also (laughs) perjury like I guess that was the breakup
0: I guess so yeah because we haven't seen them interact I don't think at all since I don't think so (laughs) who knows they keep cutting scenes True. Very, very true. Which I know we talked about this offline earlier, but I found another place where I think they may have cut a scene. Ooh,
2: interesting. I can't wait to find out. Because yeah, for the record, on streaming, this episode is only like 40 minutes and some change versus like a 44 minute show, which is usually more typical. So yeah, we we lost at least three and a half minutes Mm -hmm. in this episode. We have no idea what happened. (laughs) After they have sex. Val, they have like a long conversation about coats that I didn't understand until they were finally like, oh, you could go buy a coat at a name of store I didn't write down. Mm-hmm. And Val asked Dylan to cut her a check.
0: Right. Which, to Mary's point, she's not wrong. She did do the work and she flew down at the drop of a hat um, to help Dylan with this. and And so... Dylan's like, fine, yeah, okay, whatever. And then just, like, writes her a check, which he's left-handed. I think we've seen that before, but I just always like to point it out.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) I think we have, but I can't remember.
0: Or at least there's another person who's left-handed. It may be Steve. Maybe Steve. Anyway. Yeah, he writes her a check, and she's like, great. And she gets it, and she's like, um, 10,000 doll hairs? Like, what? She's so disappointed. And- Again, rightfully so, compared to the millions that he got, I think she's in her mind thinking, like, oh, a third, a third, a third, not what I got, or half of your half, or whatever it is, but it's not that. And she then they then proceed to have a wonderful scene together. Perfect exchange, in my opinion. Wonderful. She said, Um, haven't you ever heard of maybe equal pay for equal work? Dylan's like, I've heard of greed. And then she fires back with, obviously, something you know about. And then, you know, he gets a little angry. He's like, are you out of your mind? And then Val just being the person she is. Why? Because I'm standing up for what I have coming to me? Like, her, I don't know, this whole delivery was perfect. And Dylan, just calm, cool, and collected Dylan's just like, nope. Because if you want a piece of the action, that's something you ask for before it goes down, not after. Which He's also not wrong. This is an interesting argument because neither one of them are actually wrong. Um, And then she's just like, you know, you're you're the one who assumed my services were voluntary, which in the context of them just having sex, like that also felt like a weird statement. (laughs) But then he says, well, your services have been paid for. Take it or leave it. Again, very pretty woman here is what the vibes I got this entire episode. That's good. I like
2: that pretty woman because it's also kind of like yeah it's got layers Mm -hmm. but yeah it's very interesting this conversation because I feel like both of them have legitimately valid points and like this felt very um the women's national team equal pay fight to me Mm -hmm. and I was just like I don't know if I can go down this road because then I feel like I have to do a TLDR on the on the mic and then I'll be talking for 45 minutes because I don't actually know how to tell this story in five seconds
0: Right, right. No, 100%. No, as soon as I heard equal pay for equal work, I was like, ding. <laughs> so many things going off in my head. And yeah, because they both have valid
2: points, like you pointed out. You know, she did do the work and he just basically expected that it would be free. And then she was like, no, I'd like to be paid for my services. And he just like handed her what he decided was fair. But he was mm-hmm. like, we didn't agree on this beforehand. Right. And You know, I feel like an argument could be made that it doesn't deserve to be split like a third, a third, a third because this was Dylan's money and he paid a finder fee and then like, you know, yeah, Jonesy was going to pay someone to help him. And there's, you know, a solid chance that that woman that was running through the airport was not going to make $2 million because I feel like if you're going to make $2 million, you don't even walk out on Jonesy being creepy.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I I would think – know maybe 50 to 100 grand was the payment there but who knows like we don't know and so I think Val's just upset because she doesn't get to decide her worth and her value and Dylan decides it for her and then I mean moral of the story is like they just kind of leave like she takes the money but as she should yeah 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 but then they're just mad at each other now yeah it's the the weirdest relationship
2: they really do and like I want to keep watching it, but also there's the part of me that's like a rational person and is like, you guys need to just not hang out anymore.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: And speaking of rational people, Jim Walsh should have run so far away from this appointment. He is like weirdly excited to see Dylan show up. He's like, oh my God, you made it to an appointment on time. And Dylan's like yeah, I'm looking real formal for you too. And, you know, they have this whole conversation where Dylan essentially asks Jim to be his business manager again. And this is the thing that gets me is like, this is the Jim we expect who will forgive you 45 times and just keep doing the same thing over and over again, just because you've apologized. And he's like, okay, well you're just a kid, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then every time you actually mess up, he just gets so angry and he's just like, she has no shame. Or like, Dylan can't be helped. I tried nothing. Whatever.
0: Yeah. No, it's, that's kind of what I wrote about this scene. It's like, Jim's kind of being nice. Like, what's the catch? I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then Dylan basically apologizes for everything, for not listening to him, for treating him so poorly when he managed his trust, like all of this stuff. And Jim even admits that He thinks Dylan is different now. And I was like, first of all, (laughs) please get that on recording. Like, Dylan, you need that in writing or on a recorder or something. Play back to him every time he gets mad at you. But I think what's happened is, is Jim can only have one enemy at a time. This is my theory. He's always mad at Brenda, not Brandon. When he's mad at Brandon, he's not mad at Brenda. Brenda leaves. Now he can be mad at Dylan because Dylan is basically Brenda adjacent. (laughs) But Dylan, when he was going through rehab, he was kind of out of the picture a little bit. And now all of a sudden he's mad at Val all the time. Why? No one really knows. For all we know, he doesn't know that she's lied about stuff or manipulated people.
2: But then at the end of this conversation, we find out that he knows everything because he's like, what did you guys do in Mexico? And Dylan's like... You don't need to worry about that, but you just need to
0: know that your girl Valerie is $10,000 richer. Exactly. So he can't be mad at Dylan now because he's mad at Valerie. (laughs) Which, like, I think I said this in the last episode, how, like, why
2: would they expect Valerie to want to hang out with them? Because they're not cool. They're mean to her all the time. They always accuse her of lying over and over and over again. Now they're talking shit behind her back.
0: For her standing up for herself. And again, I still think there's also the the um, the thought that Valerie is Brenda 2.0. So as long as she's in the picture and she's at least a little bit similar to Brenda, he can be mad at her for reasons he knows, reasons he doesn't know. It doesn't matter. There's probably something to be mad at because she's Brenda 2.0. Yeah. We we
2: don't see them for a little while. Um, the uh, Walsh's. But we do see Valerie, yeah. and this is where Valerie has cashed her $10,000 check, presumably is walking around with all $10,000, and goes to Rodeo Drive to buy an all-leather outfit. She spends 10% of her earnings on this outfit. <laughs> <laughs> My first thought was, like, girl, you should have gone to Jim Walsh first. Oh yeah. Jim, help me turn this $10,000 into... $10,000 and 50 cents with interest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Tomorrow. <laughs> and then next month, $10,001. <laughs> Invest, Valerie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, damn. Like, she just goes out and gets an all leather outfit. I was like, holy cow. You know what you're doing. You always know what you're doing. You have a plan. It's, yeah, I love this character so much. Um, it actually made me think of an episode of Legends that you're going to see this season, Ariel, Ooh. Um, where three of the ladies dress up in all leather and they go like Charlie's Angel style on something. So it it's great. It's great. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's great. I don't know why this
2: just popped into my head, but I'm thinking of the Arrested Development episode where Tobias goes to the store and he's like, I'm looking for something that says... Daddy likes leather. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean leather daddy? (laughs) Oh, is there such a thing? But she has a plan for this whole outfit. Like, it's amazing. Yep. I kind of want to skip, like, she ends up seeing Ray at this place, but I kind of want to skip that until we actually talk about Ray. Yeah. So, you know, what she ends up doing is she leaves the store. That night she goes to the Bellage, to see Jonesy.
0: Our boy Jonesy's back.
2: And this scene, oh my God, watching him play charades to be like, sleep with me. When he said it was a movie, I was literally like actually trying to play. I was like, sleepless in Seattle, sleeping (laughs) with the
0: enemy. (laughs) While you're sleeping. Wait, that hasn't come out yet. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was uncomfortable the whole time, number one, because Jonesy kept making noises during charades, and you're supposed to be silent, and then, of <laughs> course, you know, because he says sleep with me. That's just disgusting. Um, first but of all, I, he,
2: he broke the rules of charades.
0: A hundred percent, and then he broke the rules of just being a good guy, <laughs> but no, I mean, at first, I was like, oh, girl, is she trying to manipulate him? Of course she is. Like, I don't know why I ever don't think she isn't trying to do that, but... Um, but she's like, absolutely not. Which again, like, at least I'm, I'm a fan of Valerie because she always knows what she wants, and she also knows what she doesn't want, and she doesn't want to get money by sleeping with Jonesy. She wants to get money because she believes she deserves it. Yeah. Um Which again, she's not wrong. But what is wrong is going both to Dylan and Jonesy and trying to get money when she tells Joni, jo- Joni, Jonesy that Dylan said no. So she's really just trying to con him, um, which can't blame her for trying – because if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. (laughs) Well, and the thing
2: is, like, she does deserve a cut. And frankly, I do feel like she deserves a cut from both of them. Like, she makes the case that Jonesy was already going to pay somebody else, so she might as well get that person's cut. Mm -hmm. And then Dylan probably owes her a finder's fee by calling her last minute to fly down. Like, I think this is valid. This is, like – going after u.s soccer and also fifa
0: no that's fair it's fair there are not always there's not always just one villain or one enemy there's, there there mm-hmm. might be multiple um but yeah then jonesy just shows her like basically a suitcase full of money and it gets a little awkward and uncomfortable again because it like you know he's right behind her as she's looking at this money and like da, da, da. but really he just wants her to work with him again and then asked her to have a drink with him. And I'm like, I don't think she's old enough, but sure. Okay. No, I'd say at best she's 20. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But yeah, when he asked her to work with him, I was like, oh my God, it's the spinoff. It's happening. Jonesy and Val. In a couple seasons, he's just going to call her and we're going to get like a side episode where it's just Val because the rest of the gang is working on some like big episodes. They were like, what can we do? Val episode. Val episode and she's just going to like have to go to Maine and pretend to be like trying maple syrups with him while they chase down smugglers.
0: Yeah. And and they already know the whole like a- aquatic smuggling. So <laughs> they can just continue to use the taxidermist route.
2: <laughs> lobsters. I was going to say the salmon lobsters. lobsters.
0: <laughs> Why did my brain go to bears?
2: <laughs> there's probably bears in maine oh there's definitely bears in maine that feels right <laughs> yeah I, I say definitely like i know it just feels <laughs> right
0: oh man watch the like state animal of maine be a black bear or something
1: <laughs> I are there black lobster? bears that far north
0: they i mean alaska okay. canada <laughs>
2: Are those black bears? I thought that was more like brown bears and like... And like grizzlies. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me.
1: <laughs> Wrong color of bear. Listeners, tell us your state and what bears you have. Thank you. <laughs> this is now a bear podcast. Yes,
0: we are. I, I don't have anything clever to say. I thought I had something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, so...
2: While Val is with Jonesy, Jim has invited Dylan over for dinner, which, like, I always wonder about things that happen at the Walsh house. Did they know that Val wasn't coming home for dinner? Did they just assume that she was going to not come home for dinner? So they were like, "Okay, it's totally fine to have Dylan over and, like, talk shit about her over salad.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I guess we just assume that she let them know of her plans or was not there by 6 p.m. or what, you know, whatever time they have dinner. Mm -hmm. And yeah,
2: it's just like nothing over the last six months or anything that ever happened with Brenda has ever happened. Like Mm -hmm. Jim is so excited to be like, this is Dylan, my new client. You may know him. And then he, Dylan's been telling Jim and Cindy about the caper. They know about the $10,000. Brandon walks in and is like, how is Mexico, bro? Mexican.
0: Love it. Just love it. I also loved
2: when they were talking about the $10,000 and Brandon was like, well, how come that never happens to me? They're like, she, <laughs> she looks better
0: in a dress than you. <laughs> but also like... This is the one time I, like, feel for Brandon because, like, yeah, Brenda gets punished <laughs> and she gets to go to Paris. Valerie, like, technic- not she's not pun- punished, but she's, like, done something wrong and gets $10,000. <laughs> Update. There are black bears in Maine. See, guys, I wasn't just, you know, wrong. You totally knew. I did. I, <laughs> I have a very extensive knowledge on... Bear Habitats. Bears, Beats, Battlestar Galactica. Back to podcast. Ooh. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, it felt very season one, you know? Just having dinner at the Walsh's and Dylan's actually invited and all this. And I mean what's interesting too though is they're just now learning about valerie and her manipulation skills right because you know cindy is like i know you guys are having your fun and that's fine and no judgment but how much trouble is valerie or i think she literally just says like should we have any reason to be concerned with valerie Mm -hmm. and dylan's like well let me tell you guys this you guys thought you had your hands full with brenda this girl is a much bigger package with a much brighter bow So, again, they're trying to basically make evil Brenda. Yeah. Which,
2: I mean, fair. They tried to go to Mexico, and Brenda forgot her ID, and they didn't even make it across the border. Valerie just decides to go to Jamaica for Christmas.
0: Right. Allegedly. We don't even know if she actually went to Jamaica. That could have been a lie about, you know, she just swung by the local, I don't know, Jamaica shop in Beverly Hills to get (laughs) get souvenirs. (laughs) Which we never saw. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my gosh.
2: She's already been working with Jonesy. All of this was a con on Dylan. Oh,
0: that would be fun. That That. would actually be a storyline in the backdoor pilot of Jonesy and Val's show. I just want that show so bad. I know. That would be a great show. And I can see It's like very Miami Vice. Like, I get that feel. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so the last time we see Val and Dylan is when they run into each other outside of the peach pit and Dylan calls her a hooker for going to Jonesy for money.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Which, like, isn't even technically – This is technically false. And also, it's an attack. It's gross. I don't like it. Like, what? what is even happening here? This is not – This is a Dylan I expect to see, but it's not a Dylan I like to see Mm -hmm. between the two of them. But I do love Val's response of, I'm not a hooker, and even if I was, you couldn't afford me.
0: See, that's what I'm saying. Like Val knows what she's doing. Like, this is the difference between her and Brenda. I mean, amongst a lot of things. But the main difference is that Brenda was naive, you know, like she thought she had street smarts, but she didn't because she forgets her passport when they take a planned trip to out of the country. Valerie knows every step of every move that she makes so even she expects Dylan to like think you know less of her probably by buying her own BMW um which damn like how much money did Jonesy give her right she already spent 10 percent on that outfit so she would at least need I don't know I mean even that if that was like a base model BMW at least like 30 G's probably that's so, what I would think oh maybe she's leasing no, she said she bought it. Oh, because Dylan accused her of leasing it. Because Dylan thought okay, at first yeah. that she just used his money. Okay, to yep. lease it. Yep. I'm but yeah, no, she knows what she's doing, and she even knows like Dylan's not going to approve of this. But guess what? She has a comeback. And the thing is, like,
2: he's wrong here. Yeah, like she's not doing anything that she has been painfully obvious about, and. She's just going for what's hers. Like, I don't think this was wrong. Oh, I don't either. I also think it was just fun, so. Oh, I loved it. And, like, truly, both of these men freely gave her money. So get over yourselves.
0: Exactly. Yeah, just, like, you could have said no.
2: Both of them. (laughs) Yeah. But they didn't because they knew she was right. They might have tried to (laughs) short pay her because women be deserving less, but Mm – And you don't get to call your friend a hooker. That's rude.
0: (laughs) Well, especially like one you're sleeping with. Like, I don't know. I I feel like you can't call her a hooker when you've had an active sexual relationship with her for a while. And you know her like actual feelings for you. So. Yeah. No, I mean, they're, they're just trying to hurt each other at this point. Yeah. They're just
2: toxic. We know this. Yeah. It's not surprising. Dylan just needs to go be alone for a while. Yeah. And Valerie needs to leave Beverly Hills. But stay on the show. (laughs) Yes. I want her on the show. I don't want her anywhere near the Walshes.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
2: Yeah.
1: Anything else about Valerie and Dylan?
2: Nope. All right. Mary, what else happened this week?
1: Jesse is nervous about his clerkship interviews and Andrea can't handle being around him because of it but also maybe a little bit because of Dr. Laundrie, who Jesse tells Andrea to call if she's worried about Hannah's illness. Andrea does call Dr. Laundrie, but not for that reason. Their spouses are both out of town, and Andrea has a babysitter, so they drink coffee and make out or whatever, and it's gross. I hate it, and I'm done talking about it.
2: (laughs) I hate all of this. Like, even the first part where Andrea's at the peach pad – Peach pad. Peach
0: pit. (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong.
2: (laughs) I think I wrote peach pad all through my notes. I think at this point, like, I just can't write pit anymore because of the B-pad.
0: Oh, my God. Amazing. But, like, yeah, when she's
2: at the peach pit with Brandon and she's like, oh, I can't be around him because he's so nervous about his interviews. I was like, you know, it's a good sign of a relationship when you don't want to be around each other during stressful periods of your life. That's just 100 percent fine.
0: Yeah, like, I think it's annoying because she flip-flops in this episode about whether or not she wants him around because she's like, oh, thank God Jesse's going out of town, but I can go out tonight because he's going out of town, because I'm going to resent him for going out of town because I have to watch my daughter. Like, yeah. And then she gets all, like, wishy-washy later because she's like, no, Jesse, don't go. You need to stay here and watch your daughter so I can go be with Dr. Laundrie. Like, it's so annoying.
2: It's so – and, like, when they're at the Peach Pit, does she say that Jesse owes her babysitting? Yes. Yeah. No. He's the father of the child. It's not babysitting. And also, why are you keeping score? Because of course she is. He's really nervous about clerkships that could change the per- like his entire career, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Well, he's bugging me about it."
0: It's like, like I'm girl. pretty sure he's the only one with a job right now. Do you, would you like him to continue to have a job? Would you like him to get a better job so that you can have more money, so maybe you don't have to work?
2: And this girl is on the track for med school. At some point, she's gonna have to go like interview and do rotations and try and get a job at a hospital, like. You're going to be there too. He's just there first because he's older than you.
0: Oh, yeah. 100%. And, like, apologize for any listeners out there who are big Andrea fans because I just cannot deal with her these days. She's just being so selfish. And I understand, you know, not wanting to be a this young of a mother, right? Like, I totally understand it. You didn't plan it. Um, wasn't in the cards, whatever you want to call it, but this is your life now. So instead of just being miserable, do something about it. Like go, if you want to go be with Dr. Laundry, break up with Jesse, divorce him and go be with Dr. Laundry. If you want to not babysit or just, I don't know, parent your daughter, have Jesse take custody of her. I don't know. Change your life if you're not happy about it. And I understand things are not as as easy as that. It's complicated. Life is complicated. But I I think it's just she's not even trying to do anything to make things better. She's just complaining about everything. And that really bugs me.
2: Yeah. It's a very like, oh, I'm stuck in this and I don't know what to do. So I'm going to like try and rebel. But like at this point, I know you're still really young, but you are a mother. So like getting to rebel outside of your marriage is like not in the cards. Like you have a kid that -hmm. you could be hurting in this case. And you know, we kind of talked about this earlier off mic. It's not like Jesse has been that amazing back to her. Like they have had problems that are not just one sided. Jesse is also like ignoring her when he studies or like when she was like, I'm worried about us. And he's like, no, no, we're fine. And didn't even look up. Right. Right. But like, these are all signs pointing to like you need to do something about this and you need to do something about it before it's too late, which she did not do because she made out with Dr. Laundrie at a coffee shop.
0: (sighs) I know. And my fear, because I I know the like ultimate um, outcome of this storyline, but I don't remember all the details, but I think one of the things that I'm really worried for is that Andrea is going to just want to throw her life away for Dr. Laundrie. And Dr. Laundrie is like, wait, no, I just wanted like a fun, secretive fling, you know, like I'm not going to leave my wife or something like that. I mean, shitty on Dr. Laundry, but I could see that happening and I don't want it to because that's – then that's like worst case scenario. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. I hate Dr. Laundrie
2: because <laughs> she ends up, you know, calling to see if he's on call. She waits – or you know whatever we don't even know if he actually sees Hannah or if he's just like no she's fine you should leave her with someone and come get coffee with me Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and then he starts talking about like how he's more exciting than Boise because Jesse might get a clerkship in Boise and it's not dangerous because they're in public in the middle of the day but then kisses her anyway so it sounds like Dr. Laundrie is like Going for this dangerous, like we could get caught. This is exciting, and my wife is not exciting kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it doesn't seem like he's actually committed to this.
0: Well, and what's interesting is like, we obviously know that they share, you know, one thing in common. Well, two things really one, that they got married young, and two, that they're both interested in the medical field. Um, but we don't know why Dr. Laundrie got married so young, like, it doesn't seem like he has a child. You know, so because I feel like and maybe this just wasn't a thing back in the early to mid 90s, but I feel like if you got married young and you weren't happy, divorce wouldn't really be a big deal. As long, I mean, it is a big deal. Anytime you break up a marriage, it's a big deal. What I mean is the stakes would be a little bit lower than if they had a child together. So if they don't have a child together, what's stopping you from getting divorced? Yeah, I mean, I feel like if Peter and his wife
2: don't have a child and he's not getting divorced, it's because he wants this excitement and he feels like he's not getting it at home when, like, just go role play. Just be uh, Juliana and What's-His-Face from
0: Clive Modern Bixby. Family.
2: Clive. Yeah, I'm so glad 100%. you got the reference.
0: Oh, yeah. No, Nate regularly talks about that for some reason. <laughs> Because it's wonderful. It is wonderful. And how much Juliana loves turtlenecks. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, do that.
2: Yeah. Like, you can do these things with your wife. You don't have to do them with Andrea, who you met Mm -hmm. at the laundromat. But like, I can see this where like, you met at the laundromat. And then, you know, she was pretending to live this secret life. And then you met in the emergency room. Because her baby needed you, and you saved her child, and you made eyes over the baby while her husband was just completely oblivious. Like it is literally TV writing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you notice that Boomy came to their date?
0: Oh, I did. He was, and you know what? I also noticed is that when Doctor Laundry was like thinking or or pondering whatever um, Andrea was saying, he kept looking up. And not directly up, but, you know, kind of like, you know, like I'm turning my head to the side and looking up. I'm like, as an actor, and you're doing that, and you see the boom mic, do you ever wonder, how close is that to us? Is the camera on it? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I still, it just fascinates me at how often we see the boom mic on this show. So I'm just curious if anyone ever thought about it. He just stops the scene. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't take anything seriously
2: that He's too close to my head.
0: Or, like, what if he just continued in the scene but pretended to stretch and just nudge Pushed it? Out it out. Of the
1: way? <laughs> I want that so bad. Right?
0: I mean, it, it wouldn't take much. Just, oh, nudge.
1: <laughs> I would have rather him delivered all of his lines to Boomy and then made out with him instead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's that secretive, like, you know raunchy
0: lifestyle he's wanting to lead it's perfect oh my gosh I bet boomy doesn't have a husband at home or maybe he does <laughs> i don't know boomy B- gonna
1: ruin two marriages <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: well boomy oh hears everything
2: boomy's gonna ruin the marriages but yeah because he hears everything he's just gonna like show up at jesse and Andrea's one day and be like you don't know what she's been doing <laughs> yeah. i know what she's been doing
0: Oh my gosh. Boomy really is like the sixth man, you know? He like really in sports, is. the one that comes off the bench and is just clutch.
2: <laughs> he really is. And like, I care so much more about him in this scene than them because they start making out and
0: whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. I've seen it's my not. piece.
1: Yeah, same. A scout from Firestar Music wants to meet Ray, which would be great if the scout wasn't Ariel. I took David's virginity in the back of a limo, Hunter. David separately warns Donna and Ray about Ariel, and Donna tells Ray she doesn't want Ray to take any deal she offers, no matter how many snakeskin boots she buys him. Ray's like, whatever, I'm going to make my own choice to live my dream, which fair. But then the deal sucks, so he doesn't take it. Donna's like, thank you even though she literally had nothing to do with Ray's decision.
2: I feel like I appreciate that. Yeah. At the end of this, when she thanks him, he's like, I mean, I gotta be honest. I didn't do it because of you. Yeah. Yeah. he, He still acknowledges that she's right. Right. But at least he's not lying to her just to like spare her feelings. Like, He's kind of a little mean to her in
0: this episode, but at least he's not lying. I think think that's what's hard is like he's blunt. You know, he's very much like I'm not going to let a girl who, by the way, is a lot younger than me affect what I do with my potential career. I'm going to let a bad deal affect my potential career. You know, like he's going to. I mean, (sighs) Like on the one hand, yeah, he's kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah, I, like I've heard you, I've heard David. There's been people here telling me reasons to not go with this person, but it's less about the person for Ray and more about the fact that he didn't want the deal, the mm. specific deal. So yeah, it's weird. It's almost like they didn't align perfectly on, on, I guess, motive, but I guess I worked out in the end. Yeah, and I do feel like I'm trying to cut
2: Ray, some slack now that we realize that he keeps getting cut out of episodes. Oh my God, I know. I'm just like, because in this episode, according to the wiki, he performs twice. So that's at least part of the time that we missed. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's just a lot of Ray that we're not seeing. So we're only seeing him smashing pumpkins and telling Donna that, like, he only cares about his career. Right. And, like, we're not even getting him to getting to see him like be good at these things or people talk about like how great he is or like Donna look lovingly at him while he's saying like
0: i feel like in my
2: mind now i just want to cut him a little bit of slack
0: and i think that's totally fair i mean for all intents and purposes um ray his passion is music but we never actually get him to do music right like and i think it would build a lot for his character if we did you know like you said like we only really see him in context of arguing with donna or interacting with his mother or whatever we don't actually get to see him do the thing that he loves the most and that he's trying to sustain a life on so i just yeah to to that point i think we're just missing a bit of ray that is actually quite important um but i did really like even though we missed out on his performances i actually liked that we got Ray independent from anyone else. Like we got him with Ariel Hunter a lot, um, which, you know, obviously we don't love that, but I I liked that. We actually got to see him alone um, outside of Donna, outside of, I guess he's really only connected with Donna, but you know, outside of the crew. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought it was like, interesting though, that we see these other little characteristics of Ray, that he's kind of a flirty guy in general because when ariel comes in um first of all david's face when he realized who it was was excellent um but she goes backstage i guess to the little room to see ray and ray like you know talks about his influences which were john Mellencamp, john Mellencamp, and somebody else i forget who it was um and she goes into this like third person little Thing about how she doesn't normally do this for people. She, you know, came in backstage, wanted to hear him uh, interrupt his phone call, make him laugh, all this kind of stuff. And then he kind of gets a little flirty with her, which to an extent, when you're being courted by a record company, I could understand wanting to put it on a little thick to get mm. meetings, right? Yeah. But then it was just later on throughout the episode, we see him be a little flirty
2: more than once. Yeah. I mean, especially with the boots. Yes. I do think it's interesting in this scene. Yeah, like Ariel just kind of comes back into all these people's lives. I thought it was very interesting that, you know, she talks to David and is like, oh, it happened to performing. And he's like, well, that's on the back burner. And then while mm-hmm. she leaves with Claire, Steve comes by and is like, where is my little paramour going?
0: I Which like, I was
1: like, Steve, you know. <laughs> Except for that time that they met up at the Rolling Stones concert, because I'm pretty sure that was her that he was supposed to meet up with, wasn't it? Or did I just make that up? I think he was supposed to meet somebody
2: else, because I remember we ended up seeing that person when he finally got in. Okay, yeah, you're right.
1: She had like curly hair or something.
2: yeah. Yeah. But like, I think he wasn't a part of David's music career at that point. But I have to assume that at some point they crossed paths and he at least knows the story, especially considering that he's supposed to be such good friends with Donna mm-hmm. that he knows who Ariel is and like her history with this group. And he wouldn't be like, oh, I want that.
0: Right. That's kind of my point. I'm like, Steve, you were, this was your only line in this episode. Why that? I know.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Like, we missed him trying to flirt with her when Ray was playing or something. Oh, that's a good interesting.
2: Point. Okay. I can see that. I mean, they like to cut Steve out of episodes anyway, so why not? True. I'm just going to speculate every time we're missing minutes. <laughs> I, truly, I should really, like, look them up on YouTube and see if I can find them before we
0: record. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> that's fine. I will say, like... We get a, actually a good scene between Donna and David, which we don't get anymore, obviously, since they broke up. But mm-hmm. we were at the student union, and Donna meets up with David, and she's like, hey, I, I'm studying for this, so make this quick. And he gets her to focus and tells Donna, like, right up front that the rep that is trying to get Ray is Ariel. And, like, I hated the flashback we got. We hated all know the who flashback. she was. Yeah, right? <laughs> We didn't need that, um, but it was used to serve as a memory for Donna, um, and she's like that Ariel, and now I'm like thinking every time <laughs> we introduce ourselves on these episodes, you're like, "No, I'm Ariel," and I'm like, "That Ariel." <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was. I just thought it was a mature move on David's part to like tell her before she found out on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, because she, you know she could have blown up on Ray. Like obviously we know the next um the next conversation between Donna and Ray is more heated because she's talking about what happened, but at least David was there to warn her because he was the one who knew. I mean actually Steve knew too presumably, but at least David told her and I kind of like that for her.
2: Yeah, and, for and I think it's I think it's more meaningful coming from David. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it a lot. Like I would have appreciated it from Steve, but I appreciate that like David has not been the nicest person to Donna literally ever. Mm-hmm. So, like, I appreciate that he was just like, no, I really need to tell you this because, like, I don't want you to
0: get hurt. Well, and I just appreciate that he finally made a good decision And when it comes to Donna. He just doesn't usually make good decisions. So this yeah. just felt – this felt more like a friend than anything else. Yeah. And we get, like,
2: these – you know, side scenes where it's just Ray because he goes to Firestorm Records. Ariel's manager asks Ariel if he's hungry and tells her to make the deal. And Ray keeps like, he's being very humble where he's just like, I'm not going to get excited until there's an offer in front of me and it's a good offer and I want to sign it. And like everything is done and filed and blah, blah, blah. And this is where she wants to take him shopping and she keeps pushing him because his boots are old. And I do really love that he's like, yeah, but these are the first boots I bought myself. So I'm not getting rid of them.
0: Yeah. And luckily, then she's just like, well, you can't you can have two pairs of boots, my friend. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, he doesn't say that. But basically, that I mean, convinces basically, him yeah. to go shopping with her to get boots. And this is what we referenced earlier when at the mall – Val sees Ray uh, with Ariel checking out the boots.
2: Very ugly boots. I really did not like them. Like <laughs> snakeskin snake boots are not my thing.
0: I, I don't really know that any cowboy boots are my thing, but I, I definitely wouldn't say snakeskin. That's definitely not my thing.
2: Yeah, it was not great. But, I mean, they are at a leather store because Val interrupts this conversation <laughs> in her full leather outfit. And I just, oh, I loved Val and Ariel just, like, looking at each other. And I love when Ariel walks away and she turns to Ray and is just like, so you two timing,
0: Donna? Is that what's happening here? I loved that, but then immediately hated that she starts, like, flirting with him. I
2: mean, I guess they really – they're, like, digging in on the bad girl thing.
0: They really are. and And I think kind of like we said in the beginning of the season – only a couple people saw it. Like, I think Kelly initially saw it. Now I think other people are trying to – are starting to catch on. And now she's just, like, not even trying to hide it. Like, she's being bad girl to every everybody.
2: Yeah. But, like, I mean, Ray pushes all of these people off. He's like, it's just a pair of boots. Whatever. Like, I'm trying to sign a contract. They do this with everybody. And he even goes to the beach apartment and starts telling the same stuff to Donna of just, like, yeah, I went to Firestorm, and, you know, they want to put together an offer, and it's whatever I want. And, like, to her credit, Donna does tell him exactly who Ariel is to her.
0: Right. And whether fair or not, you know, Donna then says she doesn't want to take any chances because she doesn't trust Ariel is her intention. Um but then she says, you need to return the boots and you need to stop seeing her altogether. And this is kind of where, you know, the conflict arises. Because Ray's like, absolutely, I will not do that. Like, this is my career. Um, and I don't really know whose side I'm on because I, on the one hand, I do think Donna's being a little ridiculous, but I understand it. Like, it's yeah. an overreaction, but it's, it's understandable.
2: Yeah, I mean, like... I get where Ray's coming from because he's so much older than her and they've only dated for like maybe four months at this point and this is his career and I feel like he has proven himself to her like when her mom gave him the check and he walked away from the money to be with her Mm -hmm. like it's kind of like yeah she's intending to say I don't trust Ariel but it's coming off as I don't trust you.
0: Right, exactly. And I don't trust that if you were put into the situation, that you would come out of it unscathed.
2: Which is fair, because her last boyfriend did that.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So they're kind of fighting. Um, we get a short little scene between um, David and Ray. Um oh, when David's wearing that dumb hat. Yeah, I literally said, at the pee pad, David is wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But yeah, he he basically walks right up to Ray, warns him about Ariel and that she might be more into, uh, might be, it might be more into more than just his music. And then Ray's just like, kind of dismissing it. And then David says, look, you can go back to pushing pumpkins for all I care. All right. I'm just looking out for Donna. And I thought that was a great line just in general. But then, you know, Ray's like, whatever, David, and then leaves.
2: Yeah. And weirdly, Donna is just right next door at the Peach Pit. hmm And she's talking to Claire about what's going on with Kelly. But then Claire goes to leave and this is when David enters the scene and is like, hey, for what it's worth, I told Ray about what happened with me and Ariel because I figured it was worth a shot and like I care about you and I don't want you to get hurt.
0: hmm
2: So presumably the next day. Ray goes back to Firestorm Records with Ariel, and they put, you know, a pretty bad deal in front of him. Like, he would lose all of his publishing rights, and he was like, I write my own music. I perform my own music. I want the rights to my music. And Ariel's like, oh my god, no one's ever complained before. And Ray's like, I guess no one's as smart as me. Bye.
0: <laughs> um, This was like exactly the argument that taylor swift was having with (laughs) just fyi so and that's why taylor swift is releasing all of her music again under her own record uh record label so taylor watch beverly hills 90210 you would have known about this years ago (laughs) yeah i
2: i love that it's like an actual valid argument that like real artists have with recording labels and that ray got to be smart and be like look I may wear construction, I may cut down Christmas trees, but like I'm not dumb. I want this to be a career and I know what I'm doing.
0: Well, and I think to his credit too, is this just shows that he's not in it for the fame. Like he wants to be um commended for his songwriting ability and the fact that He, you know, has been doing this a long time and wants his music to get out there in his way. So you can tell he's not in it for, like, the fame and celebrity. He's in it for the purity that is, like, songwriting and performing and that sort of thing. Um, You know, and again, like you said earlier, like, you can tell he's not really in it necessarily for the money, um, because if he was, he would have taken that check from Felice. But yeah, I I also appreciated that they kind of did a legitimate way with this and made him actually think about the deal rather than just like signing it because oh my gosh somebody's interested you know yeah because that would be like
2: honestly also pretty good tv that he signs the deal and now he's working with ariel and he's writing his album and now donna has to deal with that like that could also be good tv mm-hmm. but i do appreciate i love that ariel goes to the peach pit looking for ray and he's with donna and she has the balls to walk up to that table and talk to them. And Donna is just like, why should I help you?
0: Right. She's like, why are you here? (laughs) Yeah, and she, like,
2: tries to apologize. She's like, I'm sorry about what happened. And Donna's
0: like, I don't believe you. I mean, at least she apologizes for what happened with David. She says she's a different person now. We have no reason to believe that she is. We have No. no reason to believe that she isn't. But, you know tigers don't often cha- what is it zebras they don't often change your stripes or tigers i mean cheetahs. both have stripes spots <laughs> cheetahs and spots who knows i can see it whatever always. animals they can't just change what they look like this is horrible <laughs> i will we say we have no reason to think that she's done anything to better her life <laughs> yeah i will say though when they're at the record label
2: and she tells Ray like I'm willing to do anything to get you to sign this deal and he's like yeah I've heard that about you like good comeback but also slut shamey
0: right like I just don't like that she has this reputation for her like I'm like in the defense of women mindset and I'm like yeah she can sleep with who she wants to, but just don't do it with somebody else's boyfriend. You know? like <laughs> Yeah,
2: that's that's the thing. That, I mean, it's yeah. everything we've talked about with everyone else. We don't like Andrea cheating on Jesse because she's cheating. If she wanted to be with Dr. Laundrie, go do it. And right. then, like with Val, we're totally fine with her taking charge of her sexuality and sleeping with whoever she wants to as long as she's choosing to do it.
0: Or, you know, being uh, honest to people if – asked or what you know what because obviously we don't like what she's doing to steve assuming that they did not line this out i
2: have to assume they broke up especially now that we talked that steve is like oh my paramour i he said paramour so weird i can't not think (laughs) about it
0: he like tried to say it in french but realized he couldn't do the accent so he was going to say it in the american accent but the french way
2: (laughs) it was so weird
0: anyway so
2: ariel says that Donna won't lose Ray to her, her being Ariel, but she might lose him to his ego. And then Donna goes to thank him for not taking the deal, which is when he says, like, I didn't do it for you. I did it because it
0: was a bad deal. And okay. Cool. So you don't have a record deal. You didn't yesterday. So I guess that's fine. You're just going to keep trying to find a record deal for the right reasons and the right contracts.
2: Cool. (laughs) Cool. And we're still going to not see him perform ever.
0: Yeah, we'll never hear, hear your music. It's okay. Neither will record labels, apparently. <laughs> uh, all right. Well,
2: I guess that's it's, it's time for the cult. The
1: cult. Brandon writes an opinion editorial in defense of Professor Finley to get Kelly to stop ignoring him for research and campus mobilization efforts. But he doesn't tell Kelly about it until it's published. Not that he really had a chance, because, like I said, she's been running a phone tree out of her apartment. Anyway, Brandon's article works in the sense that it gets Kelly to pay attention to him for more than 20 seconds. But pro- Professor Hit Oh my god, I can't read. But Professor Finley hates that. He wants those 20 seconds for himself. After a negative result at his tenure hearing, Finley asks Kelly to break up with Brandon for the good of their cause or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I don't. I like that the cult story keeps going because I do Mm -hmm. feel like it deserves the weight, but I also have nothing to say because Kelly is just doing the phone tree that we talked about last week and she's just being in the cult that we've talked about the last two weeks. So like glad it's there. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't have a heck of a lot to say about her part of the story.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, like, what this episode is doing is just furthering her as- ascent, descent, furthering her separation. Yeah, integration into integration. Yeah, I like that integration into the cult, right? Because because she's doing the phone tree from her apartment, Um, you know, she's dedicating time people and resources to this cause, to this cult, and ignoring Donna, right? Who is a friend who needs her advice, who needs help, who needs to get in contact with Ray, like that sort of thing, blah, blah, blah. He's, uh, She's ignoring Brandon, you know, and, and not noticing him until she reads the op-ed, which I really want to read that op-ed. I just want to read what Brandon Walsh writes. I want to read it.
2: They always talk about how Brandon is such a good writer, and I really do wish we got to read it. It's like, I do too. And like, he even acknowledges it's such bullshit. Like that scene with him and Andrea at the Peach Pit is so fascinating to me because first of all, I love that he called his editor in chief to come read the pay- the thing before he submitted it to the Condor. Oh, love. me too. But then he even tells her when she's like, why did you write this? He's like, personally, I think the guy is an egomaniac, but he does have a lot of devoted students. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's, like, the definition of a cult leader.
0: Oh, 100%. Like, that's the whole point, my dude. Like, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> you know what I, a cult leader is. <laughs> I
2: literally wrote, not a good reason to get tenure, my dude. And then Andrea says that makes sense to her, which, mm-hmm. no, it doesn't. She says, <laughs> good. she says it's good politics, kind of. And then they both acknowledge that, like, he's partially doing this to get Kelly back, which, like, not a good reason, but I totally get what he's doing because he's 19.
0: Right. And when Andrea says, like, that's good politics, for whom? You know, because if your politics, is it to the students or is it to the faculty? Right. Like, you're the liaison between uh, presumably between the students and the faculty. All of the faculty want him gone. A lot of the students want him there. But ultimately, who, you know, who has the bigger piece of influence or who do you have the biggest influence over? I don't know. So I don't know. If it's, it's, sure, it's good politics. But for whom? I don't know. Um,
2: well, and we've talked about how Brandon is the establishment. So like, yeah, I feel like in this case, it's not good politics for Brandon because it's in defense, like for the students, but the students are all
0: brainwashed. I- exactly. Exactly. Um, and and kind of like what we were just talking about, like the separation, um, between her friends and all of that. And Brandon, we get such an awkward scene where Kelly and Professor Finley are walking and talking about the rally. Some person comes up and says defy the externs, which gross. And then Brandon and Cindy like walk up and are trying to be nice. Like Cindy's even like, Oh, Hey stranger, you know, like haven't seen you in a while. Mm -hmm. And then Kelly just like immediately dismisses Brandon and, the look that Brandon gives Kelly and Professor Finley was great because he was just like, are you kidding me? Um, but also his literal look, his fashion here. I loved his little like bomber jacket thing that felt very Jason Priestley of him. And I loved it. Thought he looked great in that. Please wear that. He also kind of looked like um, a T-bird from Greece. Oh my totally God. fine with that. Um, But what I didn't like and, and was just a little bit confused on was after they walk away kelly and and finley are talking about brandon and kelly's problems and finley says that they have problems like because of brandon or i'm sorry kelly tells finley that their problems are because of professor finley and he's like come on i'm a psychologist this is my bread and butter feed me you um but Kelly's like insisting that Brandon wasn't supportive and I'm pretty sure that he was and she took it wrong. Remember? Because he was the one that went to Professor Finley saying he's an ally and Finley yelled at him. So well, I was just a little confused and I know they had that little fight at the end, but I was just a little confused because they're almost fighting because Brandon's supportive just not joining the cult.
2: Oh well, yeah. Finley is telling her that he's not being supportive, but that almost doesn't make sense because yeah. she's known Brandon for four and a half years and she's known Finley for like maybe one semester. Right. Uh, yeah. I also find it really gross, their relationship, because if you think Finley is a professor who has applied for tenure and it's very basic Googling. So like, you need to be like working somewhere for like six years before you can like apply for tenure. And he's a psychology professor. So realistically, he's got a doctorate. Like he is easily late thirties, early forties, and she's 20. And he's just like, calling her at her apartment at night just to chat asking her to go have lunch with him like this is not appropriate also talking about her relationship with her boyfriend like mm-hmm. he's a cult leader i know what he's doing it's still inappropriate because he's twice her age 100 percent. and yeah kind of going off of like brandon has been supportive kelly's been ignoring his calls she has no idea what he wants to talk about
0: that's kind of my point and and like I realize that's the whole that is also the point that she is supposed to be getting brainwashed and and getting told to alienate yourself from your friends and all that kind of stuff it just it happened very quickly and I understand that can happen but it was fast it was so fast and then when the
2: op-ed comes out in the condor and she goes to his office and is like why didn't you tell me about this and he was like I mean, I would have tried to, but you're not picking up my calls. And then he tries to take her on a picnic, which is like attempting to make up with her. But she's like, no, Finley needs me. And he's like, but I need you. And then she immediately turns on a dime and is just like, oh, you only wrote this article because you want me back. I was like, I mean, even if he did, this is really good for Finley. Like. I yeah. almost feel like it doesn't matter. Like he is being supportive of you. You're just not accepting the support.
0: Right. And even if yeah, it's like she kind of like the same little argument that um like Donna and Ray were having, where Donna was trying to imply that she didn't trust Ariel, but it came across that she didn't trust Ray. Kelly's thinking that Brandon was just doing this to get back into her good graces or whatever but really like he's just trying to spend time with her you know so it's like the intention versus the perception was way off and a lot of that is credited to Finley because of you know how he's poisoned her mind which is ironic because he is telling her that Brandon's poisoning her mind
2: yeah and I mean really the next like so Brandon asks Kelly if it's wrong that he wants to spend more time with her and then she responds with like have courage, which you know came directly from the cult. Like that mm-hmm. was something that came from them. And then we go to that scene where Donna was talking to Claire at the Peach Pit because Donna can't study and she tried to talk to Kelly about what was happening with Ariel and Ray, but that Kelly is only repeating Finley's psycho babble and telling her not to play the victim. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like. It's gross. Like he's obviously just like injecting your mind with little like
0: sound bites. It's almost like um, buzzwords.
1: Yeah. You know? Exactly.
0: (laughs) It's like this is stuff you put on a resume when you talk about like what are your pillars of like what do you believe in?
2: (laughs) Yeah. This is like the book jacket where, you know, the people write the little blurbs on the back for endorsements and they're like, I learned how to not be the victim thanks to Professor Finley's book. Right. Right. Yeah. But thankfully, Claire, because of Chancellor Arnold, I'm so glad this got to come up, Mm -hmm. says that she's heard from her dad that Finley's days are numbered because apparently this appeal means nothing. Like he's been denied tenure, which means like he basically has to leave the university. So it's just a matter of time. They just have to run out this appeal and then he's gone.
0: Which is very interesting to me that, you know, this is essentially an open and shut case. You know, there's no point to having the appeal because they were never going to basically hear them out um, or hear him out rather which says a lot about the state of professor finley and mm-hmm. makes it even more scary you know we move on further like we don't see them for a while but essentially there's a whole bunch of supporters awaiting outside uh the the building that they're going into to have the appeal or arguments or whatever and he's like giving this pep talk to all of his supporters he sees Brandon and thanks him for the editorial so you can tell he's like trying to play him a little bit but Mm -hmm. obviously Brandon's not into it I don't know it's just it's scary I think every time I saw him on screen Professor Finley I was just like what is he gonna do next and again that's another sign of occult leaders when you they're so unpredictable but predictable you know what I mean yeah well
2: and he's got just these like groups of followers sitting outside of his office, just sitting there, like, Mm -hmm. waiting for him so that they can just be ready to support him and do whatever he needs. Like, that's not how people should act with their professors. Right. Yeah. And so apparently Kelly's been inside Finley's office. Brandon goes and apologizes. And then they start making out in Finley's office and Finley, like, comes in with a TA.
0: So I'm pretty sure this – is a scene that gets cut short. Because if you notice, uh, right as Finley wheels in, he opens his mouth to say something and it cuts away.
2: Okay, yeah. And he like, when Brandon first went in, he like called the TA over and started like whispering quietly to them.
0: Yeah, exactly. So So I'm pretty sure they like, either they cut it short or the scene, like it probably continued but they couldn't find a good place to cut. So that was the only like reasonable place where they could cut it. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I have no idea what they could be talking about because the next time we see all of them, they're outside the teacher's council meeting and Finley's students are screaming at the teacher's council as they're leaving. Finley calls his students his constant soldiers, but that they didn't win. People are literally crying in the crowd.
0: Brandon's and like looking around like what are you guys wish, doing
2: fair I would be too and Kelly is like tearing up and she's like I have to go to him
0: yeah oh Kelly my sweet sweet Kelly why yeah and yeah I mean also really
2: inappropriate Finley's like I need to get out of here come with me back to my office by yourself hmm so they go to his office they're using all of his words again they say externs unevolved beasts etc etc cetera. Et cetera. He basically tells her that they need to close their circle to outsiders, which includes Brandon.
0: I think some of the language used here, I I just keep thinking about the Nexium documentaries that we watched and stuff, and some of the language was, like, almost the same. Because Finley says, like, now you face a difficult test, a test to see how committed you are to this fight. And he essentially, like, affirms her commitment, her loyalty, her dedication all of that, and I was just like, man, this is a classic cult situation. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, the writing staff did their research. How often do we say that? About <laughs> cults. And, you know, this is where again, Finley reminds Kelly, like, hey, I'm Brandon doesn't share your passion. Brandon's been projecting negative energy. Brandon's bad. So what do we do when we have negative energy? We cut it loose, aka, you need to break it off with Brandon.
2: Yeah. <gasps> And this episode doesn't end with her saying that she'll do it, but we have to assume that the next episode, like, if we don't open on her breaking up with him, they're breaking up very soon.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because she's – I think she'll be conflicted, but ultimately I think she'll do it. I think she'll do it. And I think, like, when she's back out of the cult,
2: I do think they could get back together. But, like, Mm -hmm. I think she's going to do it.
0: So this is one situation where I don't – I wouldn't mind – Brandon being, like, the savior here. Because this is, like, an actual dangerous situation. Yeah, like, this is a weird thing
2: for me where I'm just, like, Brandon has done nothing wrong and everyone's being mean to him and he is justified to be
0: upset. I'm pretty sure last episode, I don't think you had watched the episode yet, and I think Mary and I were texting and I was like, for once, I'm like on the side of Brandon and Mary's like, me too. This is so weird or something, you know, something about how this never happens. And it's so weird. But yeah, it's like, finally, it only
1: took five seasons. Yeah, it's refreshing. It's just like, nice. It's like, we finally
0: want the protagonist to like, get what, get good things and have good things happen to him. I know, like, he does not deserve any of this. Mm Mm-mm. Uh, I actually also think he's handling this well. He's not really getting is. super angry. Like, yeah. That's why Brandon and Kelly are a good match. Like, that's all it took. He just needed to to, to find the right partner.
2: Yeah. I mean, when she says she needs to go to him and all these people are crowding around Finley, like, Brandon just disappears into the crowd and goes home.
0: Yeah. So weird. So weird. Um, Are
2: you ready for me to guess your quote of the week? Do you have anything else? I've managed to make it through my four pages of notes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. I Like I told you earlier, I wrote down a lot of quotes, and I think I've decided, and I have a tie, so I have two quotes of the week, um, so that just ups your chances of getting
2: it right. Okay. I am going to go with, and I don't have what Brandon says exactly 100%, but it's – when they're at dinner at the Walsh's house and Brandon is like how come that never happens to me and they go she looks better in a dress than you
0: (laughs) I do love that one it's
1: a good one what you got Mary okay so this is really stupid and I don't know why I quoted it but I did and um, it was when Dylan goes into Jim's office and Jim is just like hey (laughs) <laughs> so I wrote down, hey, Jim Walsh. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Um, and then Brandon, I'm I'm pretty sure he's talking about Dylan, um, but he says, look what the cat done drug in.
0: <laughs> yes, he is talking about I, Dylan. <laughs> I wrote that down for sure. Like, it's not my quote of the week, but it's up there.
1: Um, And then this is like, I didn't write it down, like the quote exactly, but um cindy being like in your opinion is there any reason we should be concerned about her like valerie and dylan's like yeah you know how extra brenda was this is more yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah i think the only other thing i would guess on is at the end when val is talking to dylan she goes i'm not a hooker and even if i was you couldn't afford me oh, love that tell you, there's so a lot good. of good ones this is a really good one like I know you wrote down that one whole scene. I also wrote down a ton of
1: stuff. Mm -hmm. Just like word for word. I was like, this is just, this is good. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I can't find my misquote from Ray. (laughs) Oh, well, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. So you guys got
0: very, very close to both of them. Um, Because both of you said quotes from the scene in which one of them comes from and it was when brandon goes how was mexico bro and dylan just says mexican like as if that's an explanation but it's it's very dylan and brandon Like very uh, on their exchange. Um, and then of course I already went through the whole scene, so I won't do it again, but literally the whole scene between Val and Dylan, uh, talking about equal pay for equal work and just their banter is really good. Um, their chemistry is really good. That's always been the case. So I just, I, there's a reason I wrote the whole scene down (laughs) and it's to be my quotes of the week. I love it. Mary, what about you? Do you have a moment of the week?
1: Just Val. Just all of her. She's wonderful.
2: Yeah. She really is. She's great. Oh, this episode was directed by James Eckhouse.
0: Jim. Well, good for him. Big Jimbo. (laughs) Who wrote this episode?
2: Uh, Meredith Stime, S-T-I-E-H-M. Has she written any others? That's what I am attempting to look up right now. So if you want to go ahead and tell us what next week's episode is, I should have an answer
0: by then. Yeah, I can do that. Um, Next week, we have Season 5, Episode 20, You Gotta Have Heart.
2: And yeah, she's going to break up with Brandon. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe, but kids, I think um, based on the thumbnail picture that I see on IMDb, I think we have ourselves a Valentine's
1: Day episode.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess we are in February.
1: Poor heartbreak Brandon. Aw, he's going to get broken up with
2: on Valentine's Day.
1: <laughs> uh, Poor guy. Yeah, so we have
2: – Meredith has 42 episode credits, both like written by and tell plays by, so she did the Homecoming episode. She did Ooh. Up in Flames, which I cannot believe we didn't look up who wrote that. Wow. Uh, she did this one, and then she'll have two more this season, and then it looks like she has a ton next season of just, like, story editor.
0: Oh, nice. Okay.
2: Yeah, she might have almost every single episode as a story editor credit
0: next next season. That bodes well for the writing, because I yeah, right? enjoyed all those episodes that you mentioned as well as this one. Same.
2: Well, yeah i guess we'll have to find out next week if slash when kelly breaks up with brandon and i guess who Val val's valentine is because i really want to know so until then you can follow us on twitter and
0: instagram at back to podcast you can also shoot us over an email with your questions your comments your thoughts and your concerns uh whatever you want really and we'll be happy to read it listen to it listen to it nope just read it Unless you do a voice message. We've not gotten one of those before, so that would be kind of fun. Um, Do a podcast for the podcasters? Sure. Anyway, send us an email at backtopodcast at gmail.com.
1: That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com.
0: And don't forget to go into your podcast app and
2: rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. Uh, If you leave us a five-star review, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. All that stuff really helps us. And we just really appreciate it in general. So if you want to do that, That'd be pretty cool. So until next week, from all of us at Back 2 Podcast, I'm that Ariel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm buying an all leather outfit and I would like to wear it out of the store, please.
1: And if you think you can buy me off with a pair of boots and a second rate deal, I'm worth more, bitch. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. See ya. I found it.